You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie and Lindsay and we are here with Tony. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tony is going to share her story with us, um, but beforehand I want to let you know that Tony is a good friend of mine for several years. We lived by each other um, and I always seem to pop into her, you know, when we see each other at postpartum events and things like that. So I feel like we've always kind of connected with that topic. So thank you for doing this. Oh, you bet. So um, kind of introduce us to your story and and how many kids you have, if you had it with your first one, kind of go into the beginnings of that. Okay, so unique dynamic with my story. I was married, had a child, and then um, unfortunately got divorced after that. So there was like a seven-year period where I had no kids. And then I got remarried, and we didn't want to wait. We were older, so we had a child. I was, I can't even tell you what my age was. I think I was 35. I was to the age where they're kind of telling you, you know, your risk factors are going up. But um, we knew we wanted a bigger family, so we had a child, and, well, I got pregnant, and we hadn't even been married a year yet. And um, I was in close contact with my OBGYN and they had me monitored pretty closely because I had a blood clot with my first pregnancy and they discovered it throughout the pregnancy. So because of the medication they had me on, they were checking with me, even had me seeing a perinatologist and they discovered that my baby wasn't growing. Like he, they kept pushing my due date back every time because he was just so small that at first they just thought, oh, we got your date wrong, so we'll push it back. But as they kept doing that, they're like, something's wrong. So they did tons of testing to see what was going on. And then at one point they decided it would be best for me just to stay in the hospital. And so I spent two and a half weeks in the hospital prior to him being born. And how far along were you? So I was 35 weeks when he was born. So it was just like two weeks prior, two and a half weeks prior to that. Okay. And my husband's like, I feel so bad for you that you're in the hospital. And I was like, it's great. (laughs) Like, I pick up the phone. They bring me food. I can watch TV all day. I don't go to work. I'm like, that part of it was not hard for me. Right. I didn't mind it at all. People would come and visit. I didn't feel lonely. I always had nurses to say hello. And anyhow, then they decided he needed to be born at 35 weeks because the night before the monitors showed something that alarmed them so they tried to have him natural my doctor broke my water and then the placenta abrupted like shortly after that and so it was an emergency c-section and with my first baby i didn't have an epidural so not by choice just that blood clot issue prevented me from having one and So this time I was like, well, I'll hold off because, you know, I'll be okay. I'll have it when I need it. But then that happened. And so they're like doing the epidural as they're rushing me into the operating room. And they're like, can you feel that? I was like, yes. So I got the morphine and I was out like completely. Mm -hmm. And then when I woke up and came to, they showed me my baby. He was just in the, like the NICU at that point. And I was just happy like life felt good I we were so happy to have this new baby and we knew he would be born early and he would need to spend time in the NICU so we were prepared for that piece of it but fast forward like two weeks into the NICU process and I was feeling overwhelmed like I had my son who was seven at the time he was independent for that age mm-hmm. so I was able to make plenty of trips over to the NICU and I was going on kind of my schedule so I would go probably three times a day sometimes two times a day but I felt like I always needed to be there 
but I was always discouraged when I would get there because he would be sleeping mm -hmm. and they didn't want to wake him if he was sleeping because that's how he grew and he really needed to he was born like weighing two pounds 15 ounces mm. at 35 weeks so he was clearly growth restricted and but aside from that he was doing awesome but what I started to notice in myself was I felt responsible for him being there completely illogical yeah but I would go he had trouble breastfeeding it was my fault I felt totally responsible for that one and my husband was there this is his first child he's never married before so his first baby and he would ask me questions like oh what do you think's going on and that would just stress me out more and then I was in a terrible mood because of that thinking I don't know what's wrong with him like and you're stressing me out for asking and he didn't mean to that wasn't his intention so it got stressful as far as that went but it went extra stressful because just so many factors that I felt were weighing on my shoulders when really I had no control over these things. I didn't have control over when he woke up, when he ate. They would tell us, be over here, we'll try and feed him at this time. And I, about the two week mark, I just wanted him home. I mean, it was hard leaving the hospital without a baby in your arms. It was right. just, it felt unnatural and but I was okay because I'm like, well, we'll just go visit him. And we kind of joked it off like, we get to sleep through the night, which wasn't the case because yeah. I really wanted to breastfeed. So I was pumping every two hours throughout the night. There was no sleep mm. like during that period. <laughs> yeah, and right. so anyhow, um, my husband started to notice a shift in my mood. Like I wasn't just grumpy. I was checked out. Like I was... We would go to the hospital, but there was no happiness in me. I was just, I was there to accomplish something and it was never happening. Like I was hoping for him to gain weight on my timetable and it was a slow process for him. He was doing well, but it wasn't fast enough in my eyes. And so I felt like I was the cause of it, which was so strange. And like looking back, that seems like, well, why would you think that? Like. It's just how it is. But in those circumstances, it totally felt like it was my fault. And one thing that helped was they had this support group for all the parents who had a baby in the NICU. And I went to that. Like, they served dinner. That's always a draw for me. I'm like, <laughs> free dinner? I am there. <laughs> Count me so, in. I know. So we went and, you know, what really helped me was hearing these other parents tell their story. Like, they would tell you. And some of them had lost a baby while they were there. They had mm. twins. One went home with them. The other one didn't. One mother had been life-flighted from Beaver up here, and she was sleeping in a hotel across the street. She'd been here for months. They were paying for that every night. Mm. Another couple, they had a similar situation where it was a placenta eruption, and the babies were like 20 weeks. They were tiny, and one was doing okay one wasn't gonna make it and I heard their stories and I just thought I thought I had a rough some people have it so much worse than I do so that helped for a little while but then I still felt so anxious to get our baby home and there were times where I would show up and he wouldn't even eat and I just felt like a failure and I even told my husband I'm like I'm useless I'm useless in this equation I am not helping it and I remember having thoughts in my head thinking no one needs me here I'm not useful in this situation this baby doesn't need me I am no help and I even struggled with breastfeeding too like you would think I would have it down I pumped with my first child that was seven years ago but um I I really struggled with that too I had to pump at home and I even had like a hospital grade pump but it wasn't working for me initially like just felt like I could not produce and I had other mothers in the NICU who were getting congratulated for producing so much that they're like can we donate some of your milk and I'm like I suck again you yeah. know it's so funny how we compare like mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of overhearing it. She wasn't even like gloating or yeah. feeling proud of herself. It was just something I overheard and brought me down. And it didn't take much in that time period. And my baby was only in there for four weeks in the NICU, which compared to other babies who spent months, it was not 
that long but when we got him home um and it was such a relief when we heard the news because you just kind of find out the day before or the day of you know he's ready to go you can take him home so the last two weeks were really rough on me i wasn't getting much sleep and i was mad at myself that i was not helping him get home any faster and anyhow we received a nurse like a home visitation nurse which was awesome and she came like she made an appointment right away after he got home to come and visit us she was from the health department in fact i saw her at the event oh really yeah and she still remembers dusty and she told me well she had me fill out a survey that asked like how i was feeling and I filled it out, and she was a little alarmed, but she didn't act like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. she's like, you could have really benefited from some medication. Like, this was, you were on the serious end of postpartum depression, and um, I didn't even know it. Like, I thought I just felt responsible, and so it was all me, and I couldn't fix that, and so and I just... And you hadn't talked to your doctor at all about any of those no, feelings? No, not about that. Like, I'd gone to my checkup appointments and it was my fault for not bringing it up no way because doctors <laughs> should be asking moms that so that's not it's hard for it's you to know too. what you're going through yeah. when you've never been through it before yeah and I was worried to bring it up which is funny because I thought I don't know is there a stigma should I just be okay yeah. it's just it's one hard. of those things that probably shouldn't let go because my family suffered in the process my husband you know he he's like something's changed about you and and he was still very supportive but we almost had to start going at separate times to the hospital because i was such a grouch when we would go i was just if i didn't end up in tears i was angry at the world because my baby wouldn't eat and there were times where like he wasn't latching on for nursing and he had such a tiny little mouth he was just itty bitty and so they started bottle feeding him and I felt like a failure then because I'm like no I'm supposed to breastfeed him and it was still like breast milk but oh my gosh the pressures yeah, we put on ourselves beating yourself up <laughs> yeah so I have a question for you you yeah. said that your husband noticed that you were kind of checked out was that around around like did you say two weeks or about two weeks from the baby being in the NICU after he was born and did he say anything to you like I've noticed that you're, or did he just like keep that to himself and just try to like, you know, be cautious around you or like, he did say something to me and I took offense to it because I was like, look, I'm doing my best here, you know, right. and I just got defensive and you're already being hard enough on yourself, yeah. blaming yourself for and he was, everything, you know, trying to, and we would talk about it. And I remember him telling me like, this isn't your fault, but hard to believe that when you feel like yeah but that kid needs to eat before he comes home <laughs> needs to grow I've got to help somehow right. in that but um yeah it was about that two-week mark that he brought it up okay and then when the nurse did the nurse do that test with you the day after you got home from the hospital or when did it that? was after Dusty was home so it would have been at least four, maybe five weeks after the baby was born that she came over and did that initial assessment. And it, I had no idea that, like, I was suffering from postpartum depression. You know, it to me, it was just, it was funny because I was like, I'm just a grouch and I got to snap out of it. You know, I never would have associated it with what was going on and the interesting thing that the nurse brought up is she's like they've done research and I wish I had like the actual figures that she shared with me but she's like they actually just shared some research with us about the fact that when your baby's in the NICU your risk of having postpartum depression increases quite a bit mm. and my jaw just dropped because I was like oh my gosh all these things were pointing to that and I had no idea and it goes up 15% if you have an emergency C-section, too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no clue that that was the case. And I felt like after we got him home, life seemed to improve um, as far as those feelings that I was feeling like, oh, this world could do better without me. I'm, 
I'm a failure. No one needs me here. Um, that did improve. It was still very stressful because he was a baby we had to be very careful with. I mean, they're like, they're not used to loud noises. Be careful how you touch them. And a lot of things can stress them out. So when we got him home, we're like, we took for granted how nice it was to have all those nurses and (laughs) doctors. Like, why were we in such a hurry to get him home? Because there's a whole new world of worry. Did it get worse for a little while? Or like, so when did you feel like it was getting a little better? What point? It did feel like it got better after he came home, despite the change and the new stress Mm. of having him home. But I felt like I was... I was finally in control somewhat. Maybe that's what was really hard, was feeling so much that I wanted to control, but was out of my control. And I did notice, though, that I felt like I was under close watch when I brought him home. Not that I really was, but I had a nurse, and I loved that first year of having the home visitation nurse. But he was still behind as far as growth and somewhat on the developmental side. And so we had an occupational therapist come in and it almost felt like the depression returned. I still didn't go see the doctor. Like I, no one can really feel sorry for me, I guess, because I should have known at this point, but I felt he wouldn't eat. Like he, I've learned he's four now and he's very thin. He eats what he wants to. He's kind of got a mind of his own. But having the occupational therapist come and need to watch him eat in front of her, you know, she wasn't militant about it or anything. She was there to help. But I got exhausted from it because I felt like it was never anything that was going according to plan, you know. Mm -hmm. She would come here and, well, let's try this and he would need it. Or let's try this. And I just thought, this is hard. And then couple that with starting a new job on top of that. Oh my gosh. It's like, could you make life any more complicated? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a busy time of life. Mm -hmm. You're just like me in so many ways. When you're like, I should have known better or I should have done this or I should have done that. And I think that that's part of what postpartum does is it lies to you. It lies to your brain and makes you feel like you know, I'm okay, I've got this, or whatever those feelings you feel when you're in the thick of it that make you not get help or make you keep going or whatever. And so I just feel like give yourself some grace because, and so many of the moms out there, this is such a good story. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, you're incredible because of the things that you experienced and the things that you went through. And to hear, to hear you say like, I should have known or done this, like, how many women are out oh there thinking gosh. the exact same thing? Yeah, I'm so glad you're being honest about that because I think that even women now that are out of it are saying that same thing. So for us to hear, and me too, like I've, I beat myself up that it took me nine months to even like do anything about it. And so I just, it brings me comfort to know that I'm not the only one that kind of beats myself up for how I treated postpartum because I think that's a real issue is not just, you know, how you got through it or getting through it, but. I don't know. So I just, I want you to know that I'm glad that you're bringing that up. Yeah. And I was just thinking as we're talking, like, it always weighed on me what I was afraid other people would think of me. And so I wonder if that's almost where that stems from, Mm -hmm. where just buck up and handle it Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not going to look good to other people if you don't. And you don't want to look weak. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I know, um, like in those weeks that the baby was in the NICU, I had this like rigorous routine of, I was really hard on myself. Like I put strict, (laughs) set the bar high. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to pump every two hours to make sure I have enough milk for this baby. And, and I was never, like you said, be gracious with yourself, you know, give yourself grace. And I... I didn't during that time period, which was so sad because if I ever needed it, it was then. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember that wor- like wore me down because it was a hard routine to keep up with. And then when I would go and I, I didn't feel like I was succeeding, oh, it just was hard. 
nursing I feel like just gets the best of most of us yeah did you so when did you stop trying to do the breastfeeding thing what did you tell me that journey how did that journey end so probably when he was about six months it um I he wasn't gaining weight as fast as they wanted him to and I was like oh my gosh am I just feeding this kid skim milk you know (laughs) he's not (laughs) bulking up so um they recommended you know just give him some formula in addition to it and I was like are you kidding me (laughs) like that's not allowed it's funny because I was a public health major so I think I had high hopes that I could meet those expectations I set for myself sometimes you just have to understand life goes a little different than you intend for it to and kids are okay when it doesn't go according to plan you know as far as like breastfeeding or not Mm -hmm. breastfeeding but Mm -hmm. man I set a high standard for myself would never judge anyone else but for me I we're always our own worst critic oh aren't we yes but society is too even the formula bottles say breast milk is best I'm like don't shame me on your bottle if you want my money don't shame me you know (laughs) yeah yeah there's a big stigma around nursing that's why I wanted to ask that just at what point you know yeah and that was hard for me because the other kid I went a full year but and you know like I don't know anyhow it was it was hard for me to stop at six months because I had that expectation that every kid would just go as long Mm -hmm. but I had to realize and like tell myself, you know what? If it's going to be better for him and he's going to go gain weight, let him do it the way that they're suggesting and there's no shame in that, but oh goodness. Yeah. And no one was coming to me like complaining, but I do remember someone coming to my house one time after he wasn't even home yet and this was another indication that I was suffering. <laughs> was they came to the house and I just broke down crying like it was hard I couldn't even like hold it in and all she came to do was like bring a present over and I felt bad because I was like welcome to this <laughs> hot mess <You> are. <laughs> yeah and I just and she was very kind and just listened and and it was nice that she listened to me because my husband was there too and I try not to cry in front of my husband isn't that silly but I feel weak when I do that. I'm the you know? same way. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because you know they don't think that. Oh, no. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so he's standing there in the kitchen as she's coming to visit, you know, just bringing a gift. And I just broke down and he was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with her? You know, like, this is my yeah. wife I've been seeing every day. And she's breaking down in front of a someone that's not even family and I hadn't even like opened up to him and I was just like it's really hard I'm like I can't keep up and and I was like and by the way if I know I'm supposed to be helping you in the near future and I don't think I can be counted on she's like I'm not even like worried about that she and she was her kindness just kind of helped me realize that it's okay life doesn't carry on like normal when you go through something like that life will slow down and it will be different and I thought differently you know in my Mm -hmm. mind before that which is probably what led to me having the meltdown in front of her (laughs) (laughs) no kidding had you heard much about postpartum before I had and you know with my first son I went back to work like after three months and went full-time And he really connected really well with a family member who watched him, which was great. She took wonderful care of him. That killed me. Mm -hmm. And some family brought it up like, do you think you might be having postpartum? I'm like, no. My baby's almost one. I'm like, I'm not suffering. (laughs) (laughs) And again, too strong for that, right? Right. And I wonder if maybe I was, you know, I felt at that point that the world could be better off without me because my baby, I mean, he would cry when I would come to get him. That ripped my heart out. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had grown really attached to someone he was spending plenty of time with. And I was like, why am I working? Why am I? And financially, it was a necessity at the time, but it just tore my heart out and I felt like once I was done breastfeeding him he was even more attached to her I was like the only link I kind of made that a joke after each kid I was like 
as long as I'm your food supply, we're like this. But once I'm done, you guys don't want me anymore. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned that when the nurse came to your home around five weeks after your son was born, that she had you fill something out and she said that you could, was that when she said you could have benefited from some medication? Yeah. And so what did you do? I mean, you said you were starting to feel better. Did you like feel all the way better or did you just, I mean, did things get worse? Did you go on medication? What did she recommend that you do at that point? Well, the funny thing is when I filled out the survey is she said, fill it out now in the now. And even being told that I filled it out as how I felt when I was in, when Dusty was in the NICU. So it was going back a couple weeks. And when I filled it out, that's when she said, oh my gosh, like, you need to see your doctor. And I explained to her, I'm like, well, that was based on how I was feeling. I mean, she didn't say, you need to go, like, I'm going to follow up with you. But she did recommend that that would be highly encouraged based on the answers I had provided and um, did that answer your question? Like, Well, and then so did you feel like you didn't need any? Did you go to a doctor? I didn't. That? Okay. No, because I was thinking that part's done. That's in the past. I'm okay now. My baby's home. And okay. so, no, I didn't. And did you feel like your mood and your grumpiness improved and you felt back to your normal self? Did your husband feel like you were back to yourself or... Did you feel like you continued to struggle? For a little while, um, it was a slow, gradual improvement. Um, I think what really helped was the not going back and forth to the hospital so much because I had, um, I just really wanted to be there when he was awake. In fact, sometimes they would call and they're like, or I would call and I'm like, is he awake? And yes, he was. And so I'd rush over there and he was asleep by the time I got there. And I was like, it's all my fault. It wasn't fast enough. Oh. And now he won't eat. And I would stay there and pump. And meanwhile, I'm missing out on my seven-year-old who's probably been neglected for the two weeks I was in the hospital before. And I just felt so absent. And what good was I? So it was a gradual Um, improvement because I wasn't racing back and forth to the hospital so in my mind I'm like I got this right like I'm better we're good I'm better than I was yeah Mm -hmm. and so how long did you feel like it took before you felt much better it was at least it took until he was done with the occupational therapy because and that was a year after he he turned a year old and then we switched to the occupational therapist coming to our home and visiting us. Okay. And that created a new stress right. because I felt like I was under a microscope mm-hmm. being watched with how he was improving. So then again, I placed those, it was on me. Right. Like if he didn't eat, it was on me. If he didn't gain weight, it was on me. And so when she came and she's like, try feeding him a banana and he wouldn't eat it. I was like, I'm failing. Mm-hmm. I think that lasted at least six months, but I want to say it was almost until he was two. Was it every day? It was, oh, I'm trying to think. I know it was at least once a month, but yeah, luckily not every day. But I remember it was funny because I'm like, the house has got to be clean when they come over, which it never was. But I was to the point where I knew where to push stuff so I yeah. couldn't see <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And um, just those high expectations, again, Mm -hmm. like everything's got to be perfect, even though life is different. And and they were the nicest. They weren't judgmental. They were totally cool. Even when you wouldn't eat the food, they would throw out new tips. But I just remember feeling so relieved when that part was over because they determined, you know, he's going to make his own um way up the growth chart and he still is like even our doctor is a good fit for us because our pediatrician he's just like not worried about him he's like he's on an upward climb it's his own but i mean he's nowhere near the other kids his age and my pediatrician is always just like he's just gonna be a little shorter than his friends (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome you need that kind of support especially from a medical professional to reassure you to feel like Mm -hmm. okay like we're gonna be okay yeah and not add to your guilt and your worry Mm -hmm. so after the occupational therapy is done even at this point you still haven't talked to a doctor or anyone about 
how you were feeling during that time. I didn't. Were you doing anything for yourself to try to help yourself feel better? Were you just like surviving life at this point? There were things that helped for sure. So my husband would talk to me a lot and we would just adjust as things came up as life would get a little difficult. But again, we got married late, and so we had this plan. We still want a couple more kids. So those kids came rather quickly, which I was worried, you know, like, is that good for me? Is that good for the kids? Um, So, like, we had Dusty, and then his sister was born. He was born in June of, or excuse me, May of 2015. His sister was born Christmas Eve the very next year, and so not even two years apart, and then another baby came, like, he was born last September. So they came really quickly, and after our last one, he's our finale, I I told my husband, I'm like, I think I've reached, like, the capacity, like, I can like handle Yeah. Did you get any sort of postpartum with the other two? Interesting enough, I didn't. So that NICU experience made me think back to that research study that the nurse had shared with me, how that can really increase your chances. And I'm not saying that I was like chipper and happy the whole time. Life was difficult in its own way, like mm-hmm. trying to well, adjust. Having with, three kids in three yeah. years is oh yeah, is yeah. hard. Yeah, and it's been one of those things where it's it's been great to have family so close because some days when my mom comes and takes the kids I'm like I really needed that today I was I just noticed the other day if the kids wake up before I do and I don't have that little period of time before they wake up to just do something productive life is not productive Mm -hmm. right now like it may not be for a decade yeah (laughs) Um, and that's hard for me. I like to be very productive. I like to feel start accomplished. A oh, yeah. Yeah. And not being able to start a task and complete it without getting interrupted. It's so hard for me. So it's been a learning curve. And it's... Um, but I I try not to ever feel sorry for myself because I'm like, I was in charge of us. You know, like I played a part in us having kids when we did. And we knew we wanted them. And... So it's been something that we've tried to just have a positive outlook on. But yeah, it's like a new set of challenges. But I haven't experienced what I did. The thoughts that came when Dusty was in the NICU of this world would be better off without me, fortunately never returned with the subsequent pregnancies. And even having the kids home, I haven't felt that again. And I think it's attributed to having some things that have that I've enjoyed doing in if you can call it free time but finding areas where I can take some self-care and I can I love to learn and so learning like gives me that outlet and I've had that in the last few years where I've been able to take time and learn a new skill and that's been very beneficial for me and helped me to have that motivation just to keep up with the day-to-day mm-hmm. routine that's so hard. Yeah. Thank that's you. awesome. What Especially the fact that learning is what you love. Like, yeah. you know, like I, that's, I don't know. To me, I'd feel like, okay, I have a second to myself. I want to turn my brain off. But you, that's not you. You thrive off of learning something new and learning a new skill. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an amazing. I still take advantage of the <laughs> shutting the brain off. <laughs> so it's a balance. What brought you to start going to the events for postpartum stuff? I think it's fascinating. The thing that really stuck out to me was um, Emily Dyke's story. Mm-hmm. I loved her husband's drive to set the story straight you know Mm -hmm. put it out there because I remember my initial reaction when I heard the story um I was a fool and read some of the comments naive comments people were putting like oh you can't just pray your way out of depression you know Mm -hmm. and she had not she was trying everything in her power to make things right and it was thanks to her husband like sharing that and making an a strong effort even today 
to educate women like and making an effort to get things that are missing that is amazing to me and so ever since i heard her story i was just like i want to i want to learn more i'm intrigued mm-hmm. this is something that i was affected by not nearly to an effect that others have been i feel very fortunate that i can't even imagine the things that she was going through where you feel like you are on fire and you just have to get out of a vehicle Mm -hmm. and you're not even thinking coherently and it takes your life versus the story you read in the newspaper where it's like they only report the fact you know that yeah and you almost start to blame like oh maybe she didn't try hard enough oh no she clearly tried her whole family tried and now they're left picking up the pieces Mm -hmm. of this tragedy you Mm -hmm. know they've made the best of it they really have and they're blessing so many people so many yeah it's like made such a difference for every single person that we've even talked to like it's incredible yeah that story so yeah and i've noticed that like as i have been back to the hospital having the other two kids I noticed that I had someone come in and actually talk to me. So each pregnancy has been treated differently. The improvements I'm seeing with each really? one. Yeah, like the last time I was in there, I was I was asked to fill out a survey and and then someone, a social worker actually came in and talked to me like, do you have family? Who's going to help you when you get home? Just completely wow. different, yeah. So I can see that changes are being made for the better. Yeah. And I think that's what Emily would have wanted, you know? Oh, yeah. That's the goal here is for, you know, providers to ask the questions. And, you know, it used to be you went to your six-week checkup after you had your baby and they talked to you about birth control and sent you home, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I feel like since, unfortunately, that happened with Emily and her family that now they are more aware of it. And I feel like everyone's working to get the word out and help it become more of a discussion on a regular basis than just, mm-hmm. you know, being not, not talked about. And it's interesting, too, because I noticed something in myself when I hit that six-week checkup with my doctor. I thought, oh, no, what if something happens after this? Like I, And they would always tell me, like, call us for anything. Just let us know. But I'm not that assertive. That's my weakness. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's almost like they have to be like, Tony. we know what you're dealing with let us help you um like your arm is clearly broken let's put it in a cast (laughs) yes and you're like no i got this (laughs) i got a ruler and some like gauze i'll just wrap it up myself yeah (laughs) but i did i always felt this like oh homesickness for my doctor right after they like cleared me to move on i was like i don't know if i'm ready Mm -hmm. what if i need your help Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah not that I ever asked for it, but I I always felt that, like, oh, I hope I can do this. <laughs> it's funny because simultaneously as my um, son, like, right after he was born, I remember coming home, like, the night from the hospital, and I was like, I've got to fill out this application. It was funny how my mind did not shift to think, Tony, take some time. Mm-hmm. You just got home from having a baby, and I was like, no I've got to get this done it wasn't like life changed for me life just picked up where it left off Mm. and that did not help me picked up where it left off but you also have a baby that you're running back and forth from the hospital and yes and I remember you're not giving yourself any slack here yeah and luckily the employer kind of recognized that and they're like it was a work from home option so they're like why don't you just we have another round coming up in a few months why don't you check back with us then and i was so relieved because i there was no way i would have kept up like it was kind of like a trial period to see if you were a good fit mm-hmm. and i was like i mentally i won't be here you know but i was trying yeah. yeah and this i even made a comment in one of my posts it was teaching an online course so we were working with other instructors and we had to kind of tell our story. I was like, well, I just got home from having a baby two days ago. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Pe- and he's in the NICU for 
I don't know how long. At that time, they thought like seven weeks because it was going to be until his due date. So we were fortunate that it didn't end up being that long because that would have probably sent me in a deeper Mm -hmm. depression than I knew I was in. But yeah, that to answer your question, I I brought him home. We got used to um, life again now with two kids at home and even with not having the job I found myself like offering to babysit other people's kids because I wanted to still be the person I always wanted to be which wasn't healthy so over the years I've learned to step back and the same person that showed up with a present helped me learn that too because she's like you don't need to rescue people especially now like you have your own responsibilities don't feel like you need to step in and help tons of other people right now or anyone help yourself and you know going back to what we talked about before could you give your past self some advice yes i would tell myself that focus on you it's okay to focus on you um you need it and other people will be able to handle things without you. I think I've always had this mentality that I have to be the hero, mm-hmm. even for myself, for other people, and that's not healthy. And I was still in that rut, even after he came home, like, gotta save the world. With your what you would tell yourself, if you could go back and tell some other mom right now, on your very, very worst day, when you were in those two weeks when he was in the NICU, your worst day when you're feeling like, everybody is better off without me if there's a mom out there right now listening to this feeling that way what would you tell her oh one of i think you just have to stop and breathe during those moments i remember i don't even know the tears just came but um the few times that my husband did like sit me down and talk to me just him giving me a hug gave me that reassurance that okay it's not gonna feel better like I don't know what's gonna take place right now it's not gonna be how I want it to be right now but this feels good and this is what I need and and I received that like from my husband just you know, from him it would be a hug. From other people at the hospital it would be going to those support meetings and then just hearing other people going through the same thing. I'm like, you feel the same way. You know what I'm feeling. Yeah, mine was like, felt like a weak story compared to mothers who were dealing with losing their child. But um, it's hard internally to explain like, why am I feeling this? this is so overwhelming it's hard to know how to handle it but yeah if I could tell anyone it would just be to take a step back and look at what's going right because for me I my baby was alive my baby was taken well care of I wasn't seeing that at the time it was hard to see past the fact that he wasn't home my son was okay he was alive I would be taking him home though it wouldn't be right away Um, Unfortunately, my mind was like focused on poor me. I didn't go home with my son, you know, like every other mom. I was wheeled out in a wheelchair and just, it was just me and my husband. And Mm -hmm. we went home to an empty house. And then, um, but there was so much, there was so much to be grateful for. And I remember one of those instances where he just gave me a hug and he probably doesn't even remember it, but I just remember thinking, and he would tell me, he's like, you know, you don't need to kill yourself staying up at night every two hours. Like I set my alarm to wake up every two hours and pump and just make sure we had enough milk to send the next day to the hospital. Um, I remember him telling me, you can, you don't have to do this, you know, it will work. And I remember hearing Emily Dyke's husband say to her when he told the story that we can like, give the baby um formula and he's like that's not what a mom wants to hear you know sometimes Mm -hmm. so just being reassured we can make this work you know because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's gonna work Mm -hmm. 
especially when you're in the thick of it. Do you feel like since you have experienced this that you're more aware of other women who might be going through it? Have you been able to open up to anyone or is this something that you've just kind of kept to you and your husband? Yes. So we did not, like I've never opened up. This would be news to my family that I was ever told by a nurse that I had postpartum depression. We kept it strictly to us. No, for no other reason than we didn't feel a need to share it with other people. But knowing what I experienced, knowing after going to these events that it is a serious problem and knowing from the nurse that worked with us that you know if you have a baby in the NICU it can be even stronger or what I learned tonight that if you have an emergency c-section that can increase your chances I'm going to be more like I don't know what the word is but just considerate of those who go through those experiences and understanding that this is very possible I I experienced it myself and the help is wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish I would have taken advantage of it to have made it easier on not only myself but my husband and not felt like I was in such a rush and such a race to get our baby out of the hospital. Because mm-hmm. those four weeks, oh my gosh, they drug. <laughs> they went so slow. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and you know, another statistic that I saw um, is that maternal mental health disorders are the number one complication to childbirth. Interesting. Number one. Wow. It's crazy. And they don't really do a lot for it. Yeah. You know? Like we were saying, it's almost hard because you have a broken arm. You Mm -hmm. clearly know what that is. It's hard to articulate when you're feeling something inside. Is this just me? Am I just ornery? Like. (laughs) I was worried about that initially when my husband was like, there's something different about you. I was like, oh, great. Am I a witch now? Like, yeah. permanently? Just no, I'm not to the list of things that are wrong with me. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. <laughs> I just always blamed it on situations. Oh, yeah. it's just this, and it'll go away, or whatever. You Once know? this is over, I'll feel better. Yeah. Once yeah. we get through this, I will flutter. And sometimes you do, yeah. but it's not always going to fix the problem yeah and i just want to say how grateful i am that you even though you haven't even shared this with anyone that you are willing to come and share it with us because it is going to help so many people that are going to be able to relate to your story and and maybe realize okay like that's exactly how i'm feeling and i was just trying to power through it and maybe i should just really go and seek some help or find something else that can help me or ask for help, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just keeping it inside. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. Yeah. And being so vulnerable and just opening up. I really. Definitely. I mean, that's what really was the turning point for me when I was hearing other people tell their story. You know, it was like from a NICU point, point of view. It was, I just started to realize that we're not alone and And that was just in a different aspect, but it was still helpful. So I agree. That's how I learn is from other people's experiences. And I think that's probably what might have helped me if I would have had someone be like, Tony, I felt the same way when my baby was in the NICU. I, I stressed out and I would feel like opening up to someone at that point, you know, Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to even tell my husband because I wasn't sure if maybe I didn't even know where this was coming from. I, I knew I felt ornery. I didn't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you have someone else who tell you, tells you, I have felt that way. It's like, you feel like you can trust them and you don't feel like you're being attacked by them. It's not like your husband coming at you saying, even though he's trying to do it in the kindest way, but you're going to take offense to it because you feel like there's something wrong with you. Instead of someone just saying, I've been there, I felt that, and this is normal, and this is what I did, it's much, you have that trust, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's a complete stranger, really. Yeah. Like, I feel like women listening to this have, we've received texts and messages from women saying, I just listened to this person's story, and oh my gosh, it totally hit home to me, and I can totally relate to that. And now I realize that my postpartum was probably much worse than I allowed myself to to feel because I was just 
pushing it away you know Mm -hmm. yes and that's the thing like I never even would have put myself in that category no I didn't have postpartum depression it wasn't until the nurse had me fill out that survey and I was like I would have had no idea to me it was just a bad mood that wouldn't go away and how do you so there's some moms out there that we have that are that are going to come do a podcast and some of them that are nervous to do it or don't want to do it um what would you tell them about sharing your experience? What made you come and do this? What? I just think it's a wonderful opportunity for not only... There's some therapy that comes from sharing your story. In fact, I mentioned I was a public health major. They did this with um, parents who lost a child to a car accident. They had them write their story out and share it. And all the parents came back and said... That was so therapeutic for us. We've never even spoken about that since it happened. And I've noticed that the more we can talk through our feelings and just receiving like confirmations, you know, you're validated in how you felt. Mm -hmm. That's helpful because it's scary. It really is when you go through it to think, um, what is this? Why am I feeling this way? And to know that it is experienced by other women. I would just say, if you can, feel free. And this is so non-threatening. Oh my gosh, you guys are so helpful. And just, I feel like a hundred times better just talking to you about (laughs) it. So it's good. And it's been so many years. I mean, my son that was in the NICU, he's five now. And I can still remember those feelings. They're fresh. Mm -hmm. I mean, time has passed. Things have changed. But it's interesting. I mean, just revisiting it brought up those same emotions that, I thought we were clearly past, you know, Mm -hmm. and so there's good things that come not only from the people who hear it, but from the people who share it, you can receive some good therapy by (laughs) sharing your story. Well, Tony, thank you so much for sharing your story and coming down here and just being vulnerable and open. I loved everything that you talked about. Thank you. This was beneficial for me. Yeah, you've given us a an, an even more different perspective. We've recorded a few of these, and and I loved hearing your perspective, and I loved what you said about it being therapeutic to, mm-hmm. to get it out. Yeah. It really is, and so we just really appreciate you being willing to do that for us. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.